Welcome to Biohacking with Brittany, a podcast focused on holistic health, nutrition, biohacking, and more. I'm your host, Brittany Ford, registered holistic nutritionist and self-proclaimed biohacker. During the last 10 years, I've focused on healing my gut and hormonal issues through lifestyle changes, nutrition, and of course, biohacks. And now I teach others to do the same. I'm so excited you're joining me today. So let's dive right in. Great. Well, thank you for tuning in to another episode with me. Um, Today, we're going to be diving into a couple of topics that I actually haven't talked about yet, um, mostly around thyroid and insulin resistance. Um, I've definitely touched on hormones quite a bit in the past, but not really coming from this standpoint. So I'm bringing on Dr. Tim Jackson to help with this conversation and help educate us. Um, He's educated in nutritional biochemistry, digestive health, and functional endocrinology. Uh, He's a functional medicine provider and a biohacker. Um, And what's actually very interesting is when a few years ago, I was actually considering going into functional medicine myself. Um, I was kind of deciding between that and naturopathy or nutrition and kind of what I wanted to do. So I think maybe in the future one day I'll go and study functional medicine just because I, I just love how holistic it is and rooted in finding the root cause to, uh, to health concerns. So um, Dr. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brittany, for having me. I very much look forward to our conversation. I'm sure we'll um, deliver a lot of helpful and actionable knowledge. Yeah, we will. So for those who don't know, can you explain what functional medicine is? Yes. Yeah, so functional medicine uh, has existed for a, a, quite a long time. Uh, Dr. Jeffrey Bland is um, accredited with the uh, term or developing the term, but it's simply uh, getting to the root cause of someone's issues. So if you have a headache, it's not because you're deficient in aspirin. If you have a mood issue, it's not because you're deficient in Prozac. And so, you know, around uh, the early 1900s, you know, some of the big Uh, names in the country in terms of wealth in the United States, such as the Vanderbilts, Rockefellers, they took over the medical schools and they added in the pharmaceutical component. So, and they made anything else outside of that, outside of drugs and surgery, considered voodoo or alternative. So functional medicine, um, you know, a lot of times the term gets used interchangeably with alternative medicine. Uh, but functional medicine is probably more, I wouldn't say probably, it is more scientific than traditional allopathic medicine and 98% of the cases, because you're looking at someone's biochemistry, uh, their lab work, any hiccups or imbalances in their guts, uh, their electrolytes, their neurotransmitters, hormones, and uh, you're balancing those. And so essentially, if you want to boil it down and make it pretty digestible, functional medicine is about getting the bad stuff out of your body and putting the good stuff into your body. Cool. I love that. Um, It's interesting how aligned it is with biohacking, actually. Like 
when you talk about getting lab results and data and then figuring out how to optimize it, like that is exactly what I feel like biohackers do. So I totally see how you're a biohacker and a functional medicine expert. Like I see how it goes hand in hand very easily. Yeah. I mean, for me, it all exists on a continuum and sort of one of my life goals is, you know, I'm very into working out and lifting weights and, you know, it never really made sense to me. Like I go to the gym all the time and I see guys who have huge shoulders, huge arms, but they look like they haven't had a bowel movement in a decade. And so one of my goals is to really combine, you know, functional medicine with the gym atmosphere and biohacking, uh, because, you know, the time to do something or find out about, you know, your health is now. And so if you look for imbalances, you know, it's not trying to create problems, but it's trying to get out in front of them because, yeah. you know, we live in a toxic world. We're all exposed to stressors uh, of various sorts. And so, yeah, I think you're spot on with that analysis. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think it's very interesting that you are trying to kind of merge all those different fields because that is not something that I really see that's out there currently and and is definitely needed. Um, so if someone were to go see a functional doctor today, what type of benefits could they see that's different if they went to their like typical doctor? So uh, they can see benefits in a number of ways. First of all, let's say you have some lab work that you just had done at a traditional doctor's office. You can take that same lab work to someone like myself or another functional medicine provider, and they're going to have a totally different analysis of it. And so functional medicine, our lab ranges and our interpretation of lab work is very different because we know what those markers are associated with, and we don't wait for them to get out of range to address them. Because if you think about how the quote unquote normal ranges are calculated, they're calculated based on a bunch of sick people. And, you know, I forget who uh, said the quote, he who becomes mal um, adapted to a maladapted world is himself maladapted. And so, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, so there's that benefit in terms of you're going to get a totally different view into your physiology and what's going on with you. But you're so you may come in with an issue, let's say brain fog. Let's say that's your chief complaint. But the issue may be coming from your gut. Usually it's going to be several contributing factors. And that's the main thing functional medicine focuses on as well. It's not, you know, outside of trauma, you know, like car accidents, you know, boating accidents, things like that. Uh, you really don't have these singular causes where A causes B and then that leads to C. Uh, it's more like A, B, C, D, E, and F all are circling around you. And in you can have 10 people with the same exact symptoms but, you know, one person's uh, symptoms, 10% of them may be caused by gut issues. You know, 40% may be caused by hormonal imbalances, 20% by neurotransmitter imbalances. And so you're going to get that full body analysis. And, you know, sometimes, you know, in very rare instances, we do need uh, people who are hyper specialized. 
But most of the time, let's take, for example, congestive heart failure. So if you have low testosterone, low growth hormone, and low levels of the amino acid taurine, you're most likely going to develop heart failure uh, at some point. And so, you know, you could uh, get treated by a cardiologist, you could have stents placed in your coronary arteries, but none of that is going to fix the hormonal imbalances. And, you know, if you think about it, it's not conspiracy theory, but, you know, most of uh, medicine is procedural based. So even the codes are um, CPT codes and the P stands for procedural. And so uh, you get paid based on doing procedures. So, you know, there's no really incentive for them to sit down with you and discuss your lifestyle, what you're eating like, what your social support system is. Mm -hmm. But then also you're going to get some other lab work ordered uh, for you that gives you windows into different aspects of your physiology. And, you know, you can't go wrong with starting with the gut. Um, That's where I usually begin in most cases uh, with a few exceptions, but you're also gonna have 24 hour hormone panels ran. You're gonna have your heavy metal levels checked. Uh, You're gonna have uh, your mitochondrial energy production checked. You're gonna have um, the detection or testing for of stealth pathogens like Epstein-Barr, HHV-6, um, parvovirus, Lyme, things of that nature. And so you may have an issue that you never, so like when I was in school, you know, they taught us that, you know, someone, if someone has hypothyroidism or their thyroid's not optimal, they're gonna lose the outer one third of their eyebrows and they're gonna be massively overweight And that's just simply not true. Um, I mean, I've seen people who were underweight and had a hypothyroidism. And so uh, you get a totally different analysis. And then, you know, you're going to get a a long-term plan, uh, depending on how that particular provider works, to restore your optimal physiology. And not only restore it, but the goal is to take you to a whole new level. Yeah, and that's it's so interesting and I love how like personalized that is because that's kind of the approach that you need in order to actually get successful results compared to a procedure like you said or kind of like this one size fits all uh band-aid approach that a lot of people take. Um so it's very specific. Um in terms of insulin resistance, like what is I feel like this word just kind of floats around a lot and people mm-hmm. might not actually understand what that means. So what does it mean? And for the average person, like just listening to this or just out there, like how would they know if they might be insulin resistant Insulin resistant themselves? Yeah. So I started uh, noticing this phenomenon when between undergrad and my doctorate program, I took classes part-time but in the morning and in the evenings, I was a personal trainer at a private studio. And I started noticing people who were very fit, excuse me, who did very well with their nutrition. I knew they were being honest about it. And they were, you know, developing type 2 diabetes. And so that really piqued my interest. I'm like, how can this be? 
because one of the benefits of exercise, specifically weight training or resistance training, is you get an upregulation of what are called the GLUT4 receptors. And those are receptors that increase insulin sensitivity. But today, where the average uh, baby born today, and at least in the United States, has on average between 250 to 300 known carcinogens in the umbilical cord. And that's just carcinogens. So that's not heavy metals. Uh, that's not pathogens. So you're starting out your life uh, in a toxic world, but your body's already toxic. And, you know, as we age, you know, people think that, oh, metabolism just slows down. But actually, what happens in the majority of cases is you get a bioaccumulation of toxins because when your body's exposed to toxins and your detox pathways are overwhelmed, basically, uh, you're going to get toxins stored in fat. And that's to protect your internal organs from any sort of damage. And so insulin resistance, um, there's a insulin resistance test that we can run, at least here in the States, through LabCorp, um, but uh, several other labs also offer it. Um, and you can also look at uh, glycosylated hemoglobin or hemoglobin A1C levels. Uh, but one quick point I wanted to make about that that, you know, some people don't think about is uh, hemoglobin A1C can be a little misleading because the average lifespan of a red blood cell is 120 days. But the more misshaped uh, and glycosylated those cells become, the more quickly they get degraded. So it can be a little misleading. That's why I like to run it along with fasting blood sugar and fasting insulin. Mm. Yeah. So I guess if you were listening and you weren't, or you were thinking maybe like that is something that you might have, um, you would have to run, run the test to kind of like see where your blood work is at. Because like you said, like, I think the symptoms can vary so much, right? Yeah. And, you know, don't assume, uh, that you have to be overweight to have insulin resistance. Mm -hmm. I wrote an article, uh, for the Huffington Post back in 2013, and it was called titled Five Reasons You Can't Lose Weight. And basically, the premise of the article is that when you have stealth pathogens, so let's use the example of Epstein-Barr virus, since many people know that one, it creates an inflammatory cascade. And so you get these pro-inflammatory molecules called cytokines that are released. And that uh, damages your insulin receptors and contributes to insulin resistance. And so inflammation, you know, chronic low-level inflammation is at the root cause of essentially every disease and syndrome known to man. And so uh, one of the contributing factors to that is the reactivation of pathogens because, you know, especially with the pandemic, uh, a lot of people I heard saying, you know, that you would clear the virus. But you never clear a virus. What happens is its DNA gets incorporated into our DNA. So every time our cells divide, their DNA gets divided as well. But normally we're able to silence their DNA through a process called methylation. And I'm not sure if you've discussed that on the show already, 
but methylation is essentially a series of about 200 or so biochemical reactions that are responsible for producing many or most of your neurotransmitters, glutathione, some of your white blood cells, and detoxifying hormonal metabolites such as estrogen. Yeah. I mean, again, like it makes a lot of sense. And I think that it's probably more common than people actually even realize. Um, oh, yeah. And if you've never heard of it, right? Like you would never assume that you would have something like that. But aside from, you know, lifting weights and a proper nutrition plan, like what can we even do in terms of like dealing with these toxins and pathogens? Is it just like supporting the liver and supporting detox pathways? Um, and if it is, like what does that look like that actually works? Yeah. So a couple of things. One is most people don't know, and I didn't know and to be perfectly honest, until about five years ago, that we have more lymphatic fluid than we do blood in our bodies. And, you know, the heart or the cardiovascular system has the benefit of the blood being pumped throughout the body. So it's getting returned to the heart. But the lymphatic system relies on muscular contractions. So even if you're going to the gym, say, four to five days a week for 45 minutes to an hour, uh, if you're sedentary at your job and sitting at a desk most of the day, then uh, getting that lymphatic system moving uh, is definitely going to be helpful because that's basically the garbage disposal system for the body. So let's say our immune system kills a pathogen. Well, those complexes, they're called antigen antibody complexes, they get dumped into the lymphatic fluid. And so uh, when it's hyperviscous and basically crystallizes or gets stuck, then uh, you get uh, issues in terms of not being able to detoxify, uh, issues with energy, uh, immune system issues. And you actually have a lymphatic system that's specific to your brain called the glymphatic system. And uh, there's a therapy called incline bed therapy. Uh, you can look it up online. There's a whole website dedicated just to that. And basically, you elevate the head of your bed 6 to 12 inches over time. And you sleep that way uh, because it facilitates the drainage of toxins from your uh, brain and central nervous system. And so... Uh, in terms of getting the lymphatic system moving, I have personally a chi machine, which is a device. Uh, they're on Amazon for about 250 bucks and probably cheaper now. You lay down, put your ankles in it, and they vibrate side to side. There's also now you can get the vibration plates for around 200 bucks, and that has many benefits. It increases bone density. It stimulates the stabilizing muscles around your joints, and it also gets your lymphatic system moving. So my ex-girlfriend uh, has one, and I got on it. I started watching a TV program and really lost track of time. And I said, oh, this thing isn't doing anything. But I was on there for about 45 minutes, which is not a good idea to start with. Um, and you know, a couple hours later, three or four hours later, I, all I could taste was metal in my mouth. Wow. And so 
Uh, that, and then the other one that most people have heard of is a mini trampoline or a rebounder, mm-hmm. jumping up and down on that. Um, obviously, if you have balance issues, there are ones that come with a handle, you know, for safety precautions. But uh, I like the vibration plates if you have enough room for it, because uh, especially for women, uh, it has the added benefit of helping with bone density. And at, I've seen uh, several reports. I don't know if it's conclusive yet, but I think it's 35 hertz that somehow stimulates the production and release of growth hormone. Hmm. And so the lymphatic system, um, you know, there's many ways. Uh, one other way I wanted to mention that I just ordered this device. I got it in and I haven't installed it yet, but it's a structured water device that goes underneath your sink. And so structured water, it's not H2O, it's H3O2, which is the form that our cells can use. And basically what it does is it makes the nutrients that you get from food and supplements better absorbed, more bioavailable, better absorbed and delivered into the cell. And it also has the added benefits of reducing inflammation and oxidative stress. Mm, That is so interesting. Um, I definitely want to know the name of the brand that you use for that because I have played around with structured water myself, but it's never been in in a, honestly, to be honest, like a sustainable way. Like I just need something that goes right underneath the sink and does it for me. Um, So we can like talk about that after. But another thing that people can do for this type of thing is even like dry brushing can be great or getting regular uh, massages as well, because that can really just help move the lymph um, in a way Mm -hmm. that we might not necessarily do it very often. Like I even have one of those um, massage guns and that can help as well, just manually actually pushing it um, and like getting it moving and out of the body. Yeah. And uh, as a side note, one thing that I haven't heard anyone else really mention is that the presence of oxalates, which are these crystal-like compounds that exist in some foods. So for example, green smoothies are loaded with them. Mm -hmm. And normally you have a bacteria in your gut called oxalobacteria formagenes that will break down the oxalates. But when you have an overgrowth of candida or presence of mold and mycotoxins in the body, those also produce uh, oxalates. And so the detoxification systems get overwhelmed and the lymphatic system can essentially become uh, crystallized. And so you have to um, take the proper supplements. Uh, So one nutrient is uh, the active form of B6, P5, B50. Um, pyridoxal 5-phosphate, that helps with dissolving oxalates, and so does vitamin B1 or thiamine. I'd like to interrupt this podcast today to talk to you about Inside Tracker. So the truth is that people age at different speeds. The date that marks your birthday doesn't necessarily reflect your body's biological age, or known as your inner age, with Inside Tracker. 
Learning your biological age can definitely seem daunting at first, and I felt the same way when I did this test, but it's more than just a simple measurement. It's the starting point for you to take control of your health and wellness journey. Inside Tracker is a personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and now fitness trackers to help you optimize your performance from the inside out. First, they analyze your body's biomarker data to offer you a clear picture of what's going on inside. Then they provide science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes and track your progress every step of the way. If you're interested in this, definitely check it out. I'm so, so happy I did it. I learned a lot about what's going on for me. You can use my discount code biohackingbrittany through the link in the show notes, and that will get you 25% off both testing your biological age and any of the other tests and products as well. So that's biohackingbrittany for 25% off. Mm, Interesting. So how does how does this relate to the thyroid? Um, just a bit of like a backstory. I like I've been doing so many health tests for so long, um, and just been in the health space even before I knew what biohacking was. Um, and I remember when I was a teenager, I think, yeah. Um, I did a hair mineral analysis with a naturopath. And one of the things that they sus- suspected even back then was me being hypothyroid, hi- hypothyroid, um, mm-hmm. or having that. And I totally brushed it off at the time. Um, I didn't really understand what it was and I didn't really understand like how big of a deal that was. Is it something to be super concerned about? Um, but just recently my, my fiance, he has been having very interesting symptoms in the last like eight months, 10 months. And he has a history of thyroid problems in his family. And I told him, I was like, I think you have, like, I think your thyroid is slow, is sluggish. I don't think it's working properly, um, because of the symptoms he was dealing with. And Mm -hmm. we went into a naturopath close to us. We got him tested and it was exactly right. Like his hormones were not where they needed to be. And so we put him on a, um, along with some other things, but we put him on like a thyroid complex that Mm -hmm. has like uh, tyrosine in it, zinc, copper, manganese, oh my gosh, I'm reading it right now, manganese, um, iodine, selenium, and ashwagandha in it. And like Mm -hmm. within a month, he was feeling better. Like it's crazy. Like all of his symptoms have gotten better and it like, so we're going to retest his thyroid. But anyway, that's just like where I'm coming from. It's just so interesting, the role of the thyroid in your health. Yeah. So the thyroid, I mean, there's a reason they monitor it closely when a woman is pregnant, because if thyroid hormone levels are too low, then that's going to set the baby up for mental retardation and learning disabilities. Wow. And so, you know, it's incredibly important. Every cell in your body has receptors for thyroid hormone and traditional medicine uh, typically tests for TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone. But that simply tells you how your brain is communicating with your thyroid gland. It doesn't tell you about the levels of the actual thyroid hormones, T4, T3, and I almost never see anyone test T2, but uh, they generally test TSH and total T4 or maybe free T4. 
But the important markers to look at, I mean, those are important, but you also want to look at free T3. Mm -hmm. And so that's, uh, think of that as your body's gas pedal. And so in terms of how it affects the body, if it's suboptimal, and I define suboptimal as anything below 3.5 nanograms per deciliter. Um, and that's based on our units here in the U.S., so it may be different, um, you know, there. But uh, if it's below that, if your free T3 levels are below that, your risk for uh, cholesterol issues goes way up. And that's one of the reasons thyroid has been improperly tested and treated is because up until uh, the late 70s, or maybe early 80s, having high cholesterol was a diagnostic marker for low thyroid function. Mm. And then the statin drug makers came in and they said, hey, we can make a ton of money if we keep lowering the cholesterol requirements. And so that's essentially what happened. And that's why thyroid doesn't get tested as much. Also, the potential side effects of thyroid medication mm. have been uh, blown out of proportion. And so, you know, a lot of doctors are afraid to prescribe either a T4, T3 combo or T3 alone. So I take T3 alone, just a, a fraction of a dose uh, every day just to keep me, you know, in the optimal range. Uh, but uh, other thyroid markers that are equally as important one is reverse T3. And so we talked about T4, that's your inactive thyroid hormone. When it converts to T3, some of it naturally will go into the form of reverse T3. But if you have a number of situations present, such as high estrogen, high cortisol, really low cortisol, uh, those can all cause reverse T3 to increase. And so even if your free T3 is 3.5 or higher, if your reverse T3 is in the top 25% of the range, then it's likely blocking some of your free T3 from getting inside the cells. And that's what we call cellular hypothyroidism. Mm, yeah. So if like if someone hasn't been tested yet and doesn't know their biomarkers, um, what are the typical symptoms and signs that people with a low thyroid um, like show? And yeah, are there common ones or is there like a bigger range that you see? Yes, there are a number of them and I'll just kind of give you the main ones that I see. So I have a colleague who's a PA, physician's assistant, and her major symptom, if she doesn't take her thyroid medication, is major brain fog. And she's super intelligent. She's brilliant. Um, and so brain fog uh, is one of the primary ways because uh, we'll talk about the mitochondria in a little bit. But T3 um, gets converted into T2. And that's on the level of the mitochondria. So the mitochondria are the batteries of our cells, uh, and they're impacted by thyroid hormone levels, and they impact thyroid hormone levels. Uh, other symptoms that you may see 
uh, inability uh, to recover from exercise or working out, uh, decreased physical or mental endurance, uh, trouble with uh, digestion, so sluggish bowels. You know, you can uh, develop constipation, or at least over time you can. Uh, you may have some hair loss. You may have some weight gain. Um, and I would say those are probably the primary ones. Um, but the other thing is, so it's really important, uh, especially in today's world, to monitor your body temperature. And a lot of people, you know, they'll go to their doctor and it's 97.5 or 4. Uh, and they say, oh, that's fine. That's great. But anytime it drops, even a few tenths of a degree, your immune function drops dramatically. And so you can take all the uh, antimicrobial supplements and treatments you want. But until your body temperature day to day is 98.6, you uh, won't be able to recover. And that's why, you know, hyperthermia under partial anesthesia is used as a major treatment uh, throughout most parts of Europe. That is so interesting. So I take my temperature every morning before I get up because uh, that's how I track my menstrual cycle. Um, mm -hmm. And I've been doing that since 2018, maybe. Um, so I have all of the data in this app. And of course, like as you know, right, like in the first half of your cycle, your temperature is lower and then you ovulate and then your temperature is higher. So mm -hmm. is that 98.6 applicable for women? Because for myself, before I ovulate, I am definitely lower than that, like easily lower than that. Um, so I'm not sure what like the ideal range is for, or like the ideal level is like for the first half of your cycle. Yeah. So even for guys, um, a certain diurnal or 24 hour variation in temperature is normal. Mm -hmm. And so your temperature, at least in the first part of the evening, uh, is going to be one of the highest points of the day. Uh, mid afternoon may be the highest. And so I would say just be consistent, mm. maybe check, uh, if you can three different times during the day, do that consistently for two to three months and look at the pattern. And mm. so, um, a colleague of mine, he's been treating thyroid disorders for 40 plus years or more. And he says, uh, he recommends taking, uh, an oral temperature and an axillary temperature several times, at, you know, two to three times a day and uh, averaging those uh, values out. But yeah, you're exactly right uh, in terms of it being lower at the beginning of a cycle. So I think, um, you know, when you're not, you know, in your cycle, um, then that's when you want to take it to see what your basal metabolic rate is, because what happens, you know, and Dr. Kent Holtorf uh, came up with this term, cellular hypothyroidism, but when the blood is hyperviscous or very thick, and that can happen from a number of things, from toxicity or certain toxins to pathogens, 
then uh, your body temperature is going to be low because the thyroid hormone can't get inside the cell. But you mentioned your fiance's supplement has some ashwagandha in it. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing. So if you're on thyroid medication already and you decide to start ashwagandha, be very careful, not trying to scare anyone, but uh, ashwagandha helps escort T4 um, into the cell and convert it into T3. And so you can easily become hyper. Mm. And so you may have to decrease your dose. One other thing that I'll mention that doesn't have a lot of science behind it yet. There's a lot of anecdotal experience, especially in the biohacking community. And that's using red light therapy on the thyroid gland. Right. So one thing I'll, I'll mention about the minor, or the thyroid gland is that the thyrocytes, the cells that make up the thyroid gland, they're extremely sensitive to free radicals and oxidative stress. And so when you have a lot of oxidative stress and inflammation throughout the body, the thyroid cells uh, become very, very sensitive and they detect that. And so the red light therapy works on the level of the mitochondria. So it helps stimulate ATP, aka energy production in the cells. And it also helps um, to expedite healing. So even in traditional hospitals up until the 80s, uh, it was used for wound care. And, but if you can increase the tissue ATP for any tissue, it's going to expedite healing dramatically. I want to pause this episode briefly to talk to you about MFEs. So if you've been following me for a while now, you know that this is something that I have really been pouring myself into um, to develop for you. MFEs are healthier underwear for women, made by women. Um, they protect against EMF, radiation, and bacteria. And they do that through the type of fabric that I'm using. I've started going to um, sewing classes and pattern making private lessons in order to make sure that these are very modern, comfy, and cute, and not granny panties, unlike the couple of um, options on the market right now. So this is super important. The the underwear protects the female reproductive parts, specifically the ovaries, um, from all of the radiation that's around us. So in our car, from Bluetooth, from our phone, from computers, from Wi-Fi, all sorts of things. Um, and this matters, right? Like we're learning more and more about how our environment impacts our health. And EMF is tough and radiation is tough because we actually can't see it. So it's kind of one of those things that we just don't necessarily think about because we can't like visually see it on a day-to-day -day basis, but that does not mean it's not impacting our health. And the science backs us up now. There are countless, countless studies on this, um, on how EMF can impact fertility, ovulation, pregnancy, um, also like cancer and mitochondrial health. The ovaries are actually the most dense um, organ in the body that has mitochondria in it. 
they have a hundred thousand mitochondria per cell in the in the ovaries, like per cell. That is insane. And so we really want to make sure that those little mitochondria are doing their best, are functioning at their best. And we want to block any EMF, any radiation from um, impacting how they function. Because I want women to have healthy cycles and healthy hormones and uh, healthy pregnancy and fertility and not have further, much more serious complications in the future. So this underwear helps you get there like one step closer. Um, and so that's that's exactly why I developed it. And so pre-orders are coming this summer. I'm really, really excited about it. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. And it has been a lot of fun um, in the months that I have been developing them. So if you're interested in, in getting on the wait list, the waitlist can be found at biohackingbrightening.com slash emphies. That's E-M-F-I-E-S super easy. Or you can just go to the link in my Instagram bio. Um, you can just sign up right through there as well. So definitely get on that wait list. It's growing pretty quickly. Um, and everyone on the wait list will have access, early access to pre-orders, um, which is super important because it's going to be quite a limited quantity to start, I think. So get on the wait list. Um, and yeah, if you have any further feedback, I'm always open to hear what you think and what you're looking for or even product-wise, like, um, yeah, and a bunch of you have already asked me if I'm going to be creating things for children or for men, which is very interesting, but I think we're going to focus just on the females for now. So get on the wait list, and I look forward to dropping these very soon. Yeah, I, I find it so interesting. Um, I feel like the thyroid is almost, like, underrated. Um in terms of like how impactful it is on our health. Um, so in terms of, I know we kind of like briefly talked about this, but like how it impacts other parts of the body and other hormones, is there a connection between the thyroid and fertility um, for women and, and for men, I guess, but more for women in terms of um, ovulation and like regular cycles. And I ask that from a selfish standpoint because my cycle can kind of be all over the place. And so now that I'm trying to heal the thyroid, I'm wondering if that is kind of getting more to the root cause and it will actually help regulate my cycle better. Yeah. So thyroid has uh, some interesting interactions with other hormones. Um, when we talk about thyroid hormone, sometimes, so it, uh, I worked at a clinic in North Carolina for a while and uh, the nurse practitioner that I shared the clinic with, she would put pretty much every patient on armor thyroid, which is a mixture of T4 and T3. And a lot of them would come back to me saying, oh, Dr. Tim, I'm having heart palpitations. Well, that's sort of a hallmark sign of someone who has low thyroid, so they need thyroid medication, but they also most likely have low cortisol. So you have to treat the HPAT axis, hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal, thyroid axis together. And so if cortisol is low, uh, you want to bring it up and you know find out why it's low that's where the root cause analysis comes in but um you definitely want to get your thyroid or cortisol levels up 
so because that helps escort thyroid hormone into the cells. Mm, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I when I tested my cortisol a few years ago, again, like I don't know how relevant this is to now. Like I think I tested in 2018. Um, I had a cortisol curve, but it was lower than what it should be. Um, so I wasn't mm-hmm. I wasn't flatlined, but I was just lower. Um, and so it, I don't know, like, I don't know if it's the same as then, like life is so different right now for me than it was back then. Um, but I'm also taking a adrenal glandular and I started that at the same time I started taking this thyroid matrix because of that very reason of like how interconnected the thyroid and, um, uh, adrenal glands are. And I knew that I needed to support both. So, I'm very curious to see in the next few months, like how things kind of progress, because this is a very different approach that I'm taking right now. So it's very timely that you've come on. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what I see is uh, in terms of the cortisol test, one thing that uh, 98 to 99% of them don't show is a transport protein called CBG Mm. or cortisol binding globulin. And so your cortisol levels, let's say your test results from 2018 showed that you were optimal. Well, it doesn't show how high or how low cortisol binding globulin is. And so if all that cortisol is bound up, then your cells can't use it, right? Right. And so, uh, you know, that brings me to my next point, you know, because functional medicine, especially the use of bioidentical hormones, is becoming so prevalent, you know, hormone clinics are popping up all over, but you got to be careful um, when you're, you can't just throw someone on estrogen or testosterone without looking at the basic hormones, meaning insulin um, and blood sugar, uh, along with thyroid hormone and cortisol. And so if someone has low testosterone, They may, in fact, need testosterone replacement therapy, but you can't do that or you shouldn't do that, at least in my opinion and what I've seen clinically, until you've addressed the HPAT axis. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I I tried bioidentical hormones for the first time last year. Um, It was progesterone. I don't know, like Mm -hmm. when the brand was or whatever. Um, And this was back when like, Last year, my cycles were like, we're really getting into my health in this episode, but it's fine. Um, last year, my cycles were very long. Like they were like 90 days. Like I just wasn't ovulating. Um, and then when I did ovulate, it was like 14 days and my period came and it was totally normal. Um, but it was just getting to the ovulation was was the problem. And so I, I tried the progesterone um, and it helped obviously, but I only use it for one cycle because I was worried that if I continued to take bioidentical hormones, it would kind of be the same thing as like a Band-Aid solution, right? Like I'm just taking these hormones and then my body's doing this function, but if I don't take the hormones, then it doesn't function. So how is that really helping me? Like, is it just kind of like a quick fix? Um, Not that I'm against them, but so that's my caution with bioidentical hormones is like, can we become reliant on them? And like, like, how do we take a better approach? So, uh, if you're, so my analysis is that I always, you know, work on the gut, the mitochondria, 
the other hormones we've discussed. And then you may not need um, any uh, bioidentical hormones, but even if you do, the dose most likely won't be as high. But you have, in order for you to receive the benefits from those bioidentical hormones, you have to fix the other imbalances first. Mm. And you mentioned progesterone. So there's a phenomenon known as progesterone steel. So your body is going to do what it needs to do to keep you alive. So it's saying, Brittany, I don't care about your progesterone. I just want you to stay alive. So I'm going to create cortisol if there's a need for it. So if you're supplementing with progesterone, and I've worked with patients who were on 200 milligrams per day, and their levels were still very, very, very low. And that's because it was getting diverted into cortisol. So take one step further, take it one step further, and you'll see that the reasons for that are inflammation from pathogens, gut dysbiosis, stress, poor sleep hygiene. And so, um, you know, in terms of if you're addressing all those variables and then you still need uh, progesterone, I think it's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, in terms of testosterone, you know, your diet plays a big role in terms of the quality protein you eat, uh, eating healthy fats, uh, supplementing uh, post-workout with some essential amino acids or a mixture of essential amino acids and branched chain amino acids. Um, but all of those uh, variables must be in place. And, uh, you know, in terms of when to use hormone replacement, you know, because we're exposed to so many toxins today, a lot of those toxins are endocrine disrupting chemicals, meaning they disrupt your hormonal system. And so that leads to a host of issues. And if uh, our hormone, sex hormone levels are low, for example, with testosterone, it's been shown that uh, for men, if your level is below 550 nanograms per deciliter, your risk for all-cause mortality, so your risk of dying from anything, goes up exponentially. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just, um, you know, testosterone isn't just for building muscle and uh, having a high sex drive. It's very important for heart health, for brain health, for men, it impacts their body temperature. And guys, if you're having uh, testosterone or low libido issues, don't automatically assume that it's low testosterone. It could also be low thyroid. And so, again, that's why you want to address that first and see how far that gets you before you jump on testosterone replacement. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. So my fiance, um, he started getting cold hands and feet about eight months ago or so, um, and I've known him for so long, and he never, ever had that. And I knew Mm -hmm. when that started, I was like, okay, there's something going on here. Um, but as well, like you said, like low libido, just, I mean, it's also like a pandemic and everything we're going through, but still, uh, he's too young to have like that low of of a libido. Um, and then like hair loss as well. Um, and low energy, right? Like not being able to like falling asleep easily, easily, but 
struggling to get out of bed, feeling sluggish, like meh all day. So it's been so interesting to see how supporting his thyroid has made him feel so much better. Um, Right. And so like even the cold hands and feet is much better now. Like if I touch his hands, they're actually a normal temperature. It's really crazy. And that's a good point because testosterone, uh, I know for certain in men, and I'm 99% sure in women, it affects the first and I think maybe second step in the Krebs cycle, Mm -hmm. which is the mitochondrial energy production cycle. And so that's the mechanism behind uh, testosterone impacting your body temperature. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So if someone takes like some sort of supplement that has like minerals in it, maybe there's like a glandular uh, extract in it as well or an adaptogen or whatever, um, can someone take that and just kind of feel like they're supporting their thyroid or adrenal and just kind of take that for a few years? Or is that going to like stop being as supportive at one point or you don't recommend people kind of take supplements for that long? Um, you can't, I, I recommend that people actually do, especially in today's world, because let's say you've optimized your physiology in terms of detoxing heavy metals, any environmental chemicals, molds, uh, you fixed your gut in terms of dysbiosis, um, you've optimized your neurotransmitters, then, you know, you're still going to be exposed to a number of physical and mental stressors on a day-to-day basis. Mm. But what I recommend doing is rotating your adaptogens. Right. So I might do rhodiola for one month. Uh, then I might do a blend of adaptogens the next month that may or may not have rhodiola. And the next month I'll do something different and then I'll start the rotation over. Uh, but the key there is you're using it for uh, as a legitimate adaptogen and not as a coping mechanism because you want to make sure you're addressing those root causes. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Again, um, well, this was so good. I feel like I just learned so much from you. Um, where can people connect with you? And yeah, like how can they work with you if they're interested? Yeah, so uh, my website is https colon backslash backslash healyourbody.org. Um, so again, that's healyourbody.org. And you can uh, fill out the contact uh, Dr. Tim form or apply to work with Dr. Tim form on there. And if you use the code Brittany10 in the email, then I will offer 10% off an initial one-hour consultation. Amazing. Oh, that's so awesome. Um, I hope people definitely use that and take you up on that because this type of work is so, so helpful. So again, like, thank you for coming on. um, And I think people have gained a lot from this. So yeah. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for the work that you're doing. Ah, no worries. Thank you so much for tuning in today. As always, feel free to screenshot this episode and tag me if you'd like me to respond. I really hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. If you have a question about your health, my DMs are always open and I'm currently taking new clients. Thanks and see you next time.